listeners, welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast. My name is Georgia and as always, I am your host. This podcast is brought to you by Balanced Ballerinas Academy, which is my in-person adult ballet classes and online courses. And if you're interested in joining the BB community in person or online, you can book a discovery call via balanceballerinas.com slash contact to see if you're a good fit for my classes or courses. I actually really love these calls because they're a fabulous opportunity for me to connect with members of the BB community and I genuinely love hearing all about your ballet and lifestyle related goals and really just helping them come to fruition. At the end of the day, we're all striving for that balance between grit and grace in our lives and it's my specialty. I just love helping people weave the magic of a ballet practice into their daily life. So don't hesitate, head to balanceballerinas.com slash contact and book in for a chat with me. Now, for those that are new around here and we have so many new people joining us lately, so many people in the Balance Ballerinas community. I am a qualified ballet teacher and studio owner. My studio is based on the Gold Coast in Australia and I have been teaching adults and younger students for over a decade now, which is wild. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm sorry we haven't had an interview for a while now. It's been a bit busy around BBHQ at the moment. What's been happening? Um, My 12-week adult ballet course launched and the interest in enrollment has just been incredible. It's honestly blown me away. And as a result, I've been really busy having some one-on-one sessions with my academy students. And this is happily, very happily, taking up a lot of my time. Um, I've also revived my adult ballet company who are performing in August. That's very exciting. Rehearsals are well underway for that. Um, I'm sure over the next few months I will be posting lots of rehearsal footage and obviously when they go on stage lots of beautiful photos of them in their costumes so make sure you head to my Instagram at the balance ballerina to make sure you see all the amazing behind the scenes um, what else I am also project managing the build of our new GC dance and balance ballerinas academy studios In fact, I just came from there um, where I was doing a walkthrough discussing exciting things like PowerPoints and where the electrical work needs to take place. Very, uh, very exciting. (laughs) To be honest, I'd prefer to pick up target colors and, uh, and furniture, but you know, that's okay. All these things need to be done, but it's a very big and busy time and I'm holding on for this crazy ride. But I was thinking about this today. What's, you know, keeping me cool, calm and collected and, of course, balanced. And I'll be honest, it's my peace and plies checklist. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to head to balanceballerinas.com slash challenge to do my free five-day challenge. Lots of you have already done this, but if you're like, what's a peace and plies checklist? It means you haven't done the five-day challenge. And I want you to go to balanceballerinas.com slash challenge and that will gain access to the Peace and Plies checklist. And if you're one of my 12-week course participants, you have a much more in-depth Peace and Plies checklist that covers really just all the basics when it comes to keeping our bodies and our minds in check. Now, the whole point of filling you in on these busy times is that organizing interviews takes a really long time and a lot of manpower and a lot of organization of schedules. So I'm so sorry that I haven't been able to arrange any as of late. However, today we have my dear friend Zara on the pod and interviewing her was just a really beautiful chance for us to catch up and discuss her new life as a ballet teacher. 
So Zara and I studied at the Australian Ballet School together and have reconnected in the last couple of years as she enters the world of teaching ballet. And it's been really lovely to reconnect after all these years, you know, bounce ideas off one another and provide some advice because I still have so far to go. I believe we're always learning, but I'm no spring chicken anymore when it comes to ballet teacher life. And I love helping a friend out especially when it comes to ballet. Now, Zara has a fascinating story leaving the world of pre-professional ballet for life as a law student to eventually find her way back to ballet after experiencing some personal trauma. Now, what do I always say? Ballet can be so incredibly healing. And in Zara's case, she fell so far back into ballet that she's now making it her career. And I just love this. I love that she's fallen back in love with ballet and sharing her passion for it with her own students now. Now you can find further information about Zara on her Instagram page at Zara M Lim. And I think you'll really enjoy this light but interesting conversation between two old friends catching up. I certainly love the excuse of recording a podcast episode to catch up with Zara and I can't wait to hopefully catch up in person on my next visit to Melbourne. Now, I don't know whether you guys can hear this or not, but before we dive into the interview, while I've been chatting, I am staring at two beautiful lorikeets on my balcony who've been chirping away. And I kind of hope that you can sort of hear them every now and then in the background of this intro because... It's just bringing you a little bit of um, Australian wildlife for those that live overseas. It's so funny. I've had a few discovery calls uh, about my 12-week course with students from around the world who are loving having a connection to Australia. So there you go. Anyway, pretty random. But moving on, here is my conversation with the lovely Zara. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, Zara. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm already giggling. We've been talking for like, what, 10 minutes before I said that? Our first time in, well, not first time, but our first time properly catching up in like a long time, 20, no, not 20 years, 12 years or something, 13, or maybe 15 years, quite a long time. Yeah, probably 15, to be honest, because I've had my studio for 10, so Yeah. It's a long time. We've kept in touch a bit over the years. Oh, yeah. well, not really. Like at the start we did and then we probably didn't talk for a good 10 years or something. And then, then I and hit now that you're Now that you're back in the ballet world, <laughs> um, we've got lots to talk about. And so basically I wanted to get you on the podcast because like, yes, we're friends and I just want to have a chat to you, but also because your story is really fascinating. So first of all, for the listeners, we should probably let them know how we know each other. Mm-hmm. So how do we know each other, Zara? Um, so we trained at the Australian Ballet School together back in level five. So we were in like 15, 16 or something like that. Um and then I think then I repeated a level and you moved up, but then you left. I and did. then I stayed on for a few more years and then I also quit. <laughs> and then- <laughs> now we're both back in ballet. <laughs> now we're both back in the ballet world. So what when you quit full-time training, um, what led you to law school? I get like I get asked this a lot and a lot of people are like, was it pressure from your parents? type thing because I'm um, Asian. I don't know if anyone's just a stereotype of Asian parents. It isn't normal for um, 
to let your um, daughter do ballet as a career. But in, anyway, everyone tends to ask that. And actually, in hindsight, if you'd asked me this earlier, I probably would have given a different answer. But in hindsight, now that I've been a lawyer, I've quit, I've come all the way back to ballet, I can honestly tell you the reason I think I joined law school is because, um, and when I say this, I don't actually think that I failed or I don't feel like I failed at ballet or I don't feel like I'm a failure. I use it in a different, it will make sense, but because I ultimately I actually failed at ballet, I think I wanted to just succeed, be really successful at something else. And so mm -hmm. I just chose law, like a really high achieving career and just like threw myself into it. That's my honest answer. Um, yeah. 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 And so how, how many years was law school? Um, law school, so I did a double degree in arts law. It was four years. I actually squeezed it because I think <laughs> I don't know my personality. I think I wanted to get it finished quicker, so I squeezed it into four years. It would usually be five years, so I did like summer subjects and stuff like that, which maybe wasn't a good thing because it was even more stressful when you jam pack it. But yeah, it was four years, and then I worked as a lawyer and as a judge's associate over, I think, about a five year period. Or it was like five or six. I think overall I was in law for about 10 years because after I graduated, I spent a year working in banking. Um, so, yeah. And then I quit at the end of 2000, just before COVID, I quit law, not to do ballet actually. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came back to ballet in March, April 2021. So just about a year, a bit more than a year ago. Yeah. Before we talk about your transition out of being a lawyer um, I wanted to ask you whether you found it really hard um, sort of getting back to I guess normality from being in a full-time ballet school into studying and being with normal people <laughs> and learning again and going back into a, a schooling system Good. yeah hundred <laughs> like I'm like because I've been through the whole corporate world and everything I'm very normal but I remember back in law school there was a boy like one of my friends and we were doing we were preparing for our clerkships like our internships and stuff and he was he was like a good friend so he's like one of those good friends who will say honest things to you yeah. and he was like I remember him saying something like you might struggle in the clerkships because in the when you do clerkships you've got to not just do good work but it's also you got to get along with everyone socially and they gotta like you and I remember him saying something like you're something about my social skills were going to let me down or something but yeah it did kind of come from ballet because we just spent all our lives just training in ballet only talking to ballet people and I remember I used to have a job at Coles while I was at ABS I think when I was like 17 or something and I remember I found it a bit difficult to chat to the other people because I just wasn't used to socializing with normal people so I wouldn't like I didn't find yeah I guess I didn't find it necessarily difficult but I did notice it was a skill that I had to develop yeah it's interesting <laughs> how yeah when you're in that ballet bubble no one ever really it's not that you need to be taught social skills you should sort of just learn them over time but I think maybe because we're so busy with our heads down chasing the dream of becoming a professional dancer that you sort of I've sort of brought it down to the fact you become really selfish. It's almost like a professional sportsman. So you become really kind of selfish and it's just all about you and you're focusing on what you're doing and your goals and your dreams that you sort of block out the noise of everyone else and normal life. And so I found it really difficult to just make small talk with someone yeah. or, or like 
talk about things that that weren't you know talking about my desires and my goals in life I don't know I, I found it really difficult um to sort of get back to normality <laughs> well yeah I think well I think you say get back to normality but I don't think I was ever um because I went before I went to ABS I went to VCAT so I pretty much did full-time dance training from the age of 13 so I think I was always around um so I never really had like normality for me would be primary school kind of thing or I went to year, I went to normal school year seven but um yeah so I guess it was more learning a whole new <laughs> learning how to be a different person um once I left the ballet world and yeah you're right I don't know I'm not sure if I'd use the word selfish but just definitely so focused that you blocked everything out and like it was kind of an escape as well so if you had anything going on in your personal life even though you're quite young but still even if you had something go going on I found I would just like push it aside and go into ballet and like in a way it was sort of a good thing because it gave you like um some comfort like you could just throw yourself into ballet and not worry about any other problems but also I probably like I can just think of one thing off the top of my head and like I, I think I didn't deal with it and I just like focused on ballet so it's not necessarily always a positive thing do you find, um, are there any similarities between ballet world and uh, the world of law? <laughs> yeah, like a thousand percent. In oh, actually, I remember when um, I first got my first grad job at, um, at a big law firm and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I think I'm back at ABS. Um, so not saying something bad about ABS, but obviously, so I really struggled at the Australian Valley School with like the whole pressure and competitiveness and everything and like everyone was really good and like it was very elite. Like, like I just really crumbled under the pressure. And when I got to the law firm, it was like pretty similar. Like it's like so competitive to get a job. So it's pretty much to get a job as a graduate at a law firm, you have to have really high grades and then you have to have all these extracurriculars. So pretty much everyone's like the best of the best just to get a job. It's not even to get the best job, just to get a job. So yeah, it was like pretty much the same. It was pretty much the same, except I wasn't passionate about it. Like <laughs> we're in ballet, we're so passionate about it. You'll do what you need to do. Um, very, yeah, quite similar. And personalities are quite similar. Lawyers and ballet dancers, like high achieving, A-type perfectionist kind of personalities. I have lots of um, adult ballet clients who are lawyers, so I, I find the correlation really interesting, and that's why I wanted to ask you. Well, the um, one thing that's obviously a good thing for ballet and law is the um, attention to detail and being able to like, or to be able to in ballet. Obviously, there's so many little details we need to um, correct and work on, and I think the the people who are lawyers or more inclined to think that way um, will appreciate it rather than be thrown off by it. Mm. It's, it's interesting yeah so how so okay so you left the world of law and yeah. this was before you even had any ambition of stepping into ballet teaching world what made you choose to leave that world behind yeah um I often get asked this question and my my answer is often really disappointing for people because people often come to me for guidance that like they're like oh I just want to know how you did it and stuff but actually all that happened was like something like really traumatic happened in my life outside of any not related to any of this and so I was just like really traumatized that I just like quit my job it's like really it's a really unhelpful answer to people who are wanting guidance on how to yeah I was just like exhausted and like traumatized so I was just like oh, I don't want to work anymore and just like 
quit. But I guess in order to do that, there must have been something deep down that wanted to leave that I hadn't quite uncovered. Um, I already had like a little side creative business for a number of years. Um, it's called Edward Kwan doing like hand painted bow ties for wedding clients. But to be honest, it wasn't built up at all that I could quit my job for it. Um, but I just, I just had this knowing in me, I guess this could be helpful. I just knew that I would succeed. Um, at the time I thought I was going to run Edward Kwan full time, but I just had this knowing that it was the right decision to quit and that I would succeed somehow, even though I obviously couldn't tell you how, like I literally couldn't tell you how I would succeed. Um, yeah. So that your gut. Yeah. 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 Like you just listen to your gut. I mean, it's so funny. I think with age, the more I'm realizing there's sometimes, you know, decisions that need to be made and you make a decision based on what you think is the right decision, but it feels wrong, but you go, yeah. no, you got to talk yourself out of it. No, no. Like this is the right decision. I need to do it for X, Y, Z. And you go and make that decision. And it usually then blows up in your face <laughs> because, yeah. and your gut was telling you that it's the wrong decision. And whereas then you make a decision based on your gut and you're like, I don't know why this doesn't make any sense, but I'm making this decision. And it just like blossoms into this thing that you didn't even realize was possible. And it's like, oh, there we go. I trusted my gut. <laughs> like, it's so true. So when people ask you, you can just say, my gut was just telling me. I needed yeah. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes, because when I've talked to people, because I'm like, I wonder if the thing that made me traumatized, if that didn't happen, would I still be in law? But then people like some people are like, no, you probably would have eventually, something else would have happened that would have made you quit. But um, yeah, I, I never thought, I thought, I think I always thought I'd leave law, but like maybe in like five years time and like when my business was built up or something. Um, but yeah, I haven't looked back ever. No, that's, yeah. um, and it's so also an example of something like negative without going into details, something like really negative happening that like literally what turned out to be the most positive thing ever. Like that was the best thing that ever, the negative thing was the best thing that ever happened because now I'm here. With so this. I'm, definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely going to, before we go into your return to ballet, I want to talk about Edward Kwan. So people would be really interested and you're so entrepreneurial like it's very inspiring and um you've always got a million things going on at once you're very busy <laughs> you got all this I, going on tell me about Edward Kwan and then I want to hear about your um lolly boxes yeah so I guess those two are interesting because they're sort of COVID related and like I'm not doing them as much now but um so Edward I started that up oh, this is actually relevant so when I did go into law school like after spending my years dedicated to ballet like if I be honest, I probably was like dead inside. Like going from ballet, something that you're so passionate to, to studying law, which is like really dry. And especially now in hindsight that I know that I wasn't really passionate about it and was just sort of doing it to achieve. Like I was kind of like dead. <laughs> like I was, it was pretty hard, the transition. Like I wasn't happy. So I needed a creative outlet. Um, so I, my grandfather's a tailor. So his name's Edward Kwan. So he's like, he's actually, he's 91 and he still runs his tailoring business in Singapore. So I named my little, well, I learned to sew. I did some like beginner sewing lessons and then I just started making clothing for myself as because I just needed this creative outlet. Um, I think occasionally I would go to some ballet classes now and then, like adult classes, but I didn't really, like I kind of wanted a break from ballet. So that's how that started because I just needed some passion in my life 
because it had all gone like when you're just like when you've done ballet your whole life that's all you have and then when that when you quit it's like there's nothing left mm -hmm. so you have to like start your life again um, so anyway, it turned into a bow tie business over time. I never really plan anything with anything. So I n never really planned anything. I just make stuff and then a friend was like, make a bow tie. Um, and then over the years, it turned into hand painting them um, for They're weddings. Beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. And did, yeah. you, did you recently do some for Emma Wiggles' wedding? Yeah, I did. So... I, the way they found me, I think because there's a big connection between the Wiggles and ballet, but it's actually got nothing to do with that first, my very first like hand-painted bow tie customer in um, 2015 just happened to be Lockie Wiggles' cousin. So then Lockie found out about me and then he bought bow ties from me for the Wiggles for Carol's one year. Wow. And then I assume that's how Emma found out about me. So they follow my Instagram and so then she got me to do her wedding bow ties. So yeah, that was cool. It's like... I don't do this business a lot anymore because it's, um, to be honest, I don't really enjoy painting much anymore. Like that can happen. You can be passionate about something and then when you do it too much or it turns into work, you can stop enjoying it. And I'm all about only doing stuff within reason of only doing stuff that I really like enjoy or feel like 100% yes for. Yeah. Um, and so that business now, I'm not like if I don't, yeah, I don't really push it anymore because I sort of stopped enjoying it. But if someone inquired and wanted to do an order, then I'll do it because I'm not really doing much and then I'll like put my 100% into it. But um, um, but so, I yeah, so I quit law just before COVID. So then I all I had was this business, which wasn't even like um, up and running properly. People weren't exactly going out. <laughs> I don't know, they weren't. And so what happened was first I pivoted to do face masks and um, without complaining, like obviously it was good because I was like one of the first people in Australia to do face masks. But when um, Dan Andrews made them compulsory in Victoria, I got like slammed with orders and like obviously I was grateful for all the, like like I made good money from it, but it actually like killed me because it was just me at home trying to sew them and like we were in lockdown so I couldn't get people to help me. So I ended up just not doing, I did it for like seven weeks or something and then I like full on had to have, I was like so exhausted, I just had to have a few weeks off and then I was just like I don't want to do it anymore. But at that time, I because I didn't know what was happening, I'd come up with this idea for a candy box business and I'd actually launched that the same week that Dan Andrews made the masks compulsory. So like everything just happened at once and then I ended up choosing the candy box business because I just, I just, I, I think it was annoying. I was like, no, I think this is, has got potential. I tell you what, candy brings more joy than face masks. <laughs> I know. And like literally this candy business supported me through the whole two years of lockdowns. Like it like did, like it's kind of died off now. I sort of like, I don't do much advertising for it. I've sort of put it to the side, but like, yeah, it like served its purpose like it got me through two years of lockdowns it was pretty incredible That's um, so creative. like you you do realize don't you that just making these businesses pop up which is a huge amount of work behind the scenes but yeah like taking a bad situation and and working out how to survive in that situation like you didn't just survive you thrived like you did amazing you could have just sat at yeah. home and follow. like so you should be so proud of yourself yeah, I am proud. I think it was like I think it was a mix of a situation where you don't have any choice, so you have to do something. And then I guess it was also a mix of maybe I thrive in a 
maybe I thrive in an environment where I have no choice. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe if I, yeah, because I had no choice, then I, all my creative juices come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to sometimes as well. I need like a bit of pressure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was good. It brought a lot of joy to people as well because look, I guess it was different. You guys in Queensland, you didn't really experience what we did, but it was like pretty, we were pretty much locked locked up for two years and like so I think these boxes of candy like it literally made people so happy and people are, you realize that adults are just one thing I realized adults are just big kids <laughs> like yeah <laughs> <Totally. cute. laughs> 100% so speaking of you then ventured into teaching adult ballet how how did this happen like I mean I feel like I've asked you but I kind of forget how you ended up teaching adult ballet <laughs> okay so I think like it never ever ever crossed my mind that I would ever return to ballet so it's not like I ever like when I quit law it never crossed my mind like and and what happened was but so what happened was when I quit law then I had all this free time all of a sudden so then I started going back to adult ballet classes at City Dance Centre um, and then what happened was I was just like posting stuff on my Instagram like because I was just enjoying it yeah. I was just really passionate so I was like posting videos of myself on my Instagram and because I am because my other two businesses are Instagram businesses like I I just run them from Instagram my customers all come from Instagram I remember kind of being like oh I really love ballet I'm posting all this stuff on my personal Instagram I may as well turn it into something rather than just like posting it but I like as I said before I don't really plan much so I think I was like yeah I can't remember how it came about but I think I think my mum had mentioned like why don't you teach kids ballet and we'd sort of thrown about the idea but honestly I didn't think it was possible like I had no idea how I could get into teaching ballet like I just didn't know how I would get my foot in the door and I was like maybe I need to go back to my original school in Tasmania where I grew up and ask to teach there or something and then I think I guess because I'm an entrepreneur one day I was like, why don't I just do it myself? <laughs> and I'm not sure why I picked adults. Maybe like a friend, maybe a friend said something to me. That might have been it. I think one of my lawyer friends might have been like, why don't you teach adults? And then I started it just before we went into more lockdowns. So what happened was um, I literally had like no students for like the first, <laughs> I think I was in, I think April, May, maybe we weren't in lockdown. I had like one or two students and it was, it's like really like um, difficult when it's like that. Like you just, you just have to really suck it up and be like, uh. but then we went into lockdown and I think cause everyone's on the, well during lockdown, everyone's just on their phones yeah. a lot. So I ran like Instagram ads and I think I got more traction. Like I always run Instagram ads. That's how I um, run my businesses. But I think I got more traction because everyone was just at home on their phones. So then I um, started teaching on Zoom, which like I don't, no one loves Zoom. It's not the same as real life, but we didn't have a choice during lockdown. Yeah. Um, and now like there's still... I think people do prefer real life classes, but now there's now that we've been through all that, there's some people who prefer online or yeah, some people prefer it for whatever reasons, if yeah. they're self conscious or if they've got kids at home or something, or if they live um, yeah. I've found that the I mean, I don't like teaching on Zoom, um, which is why even creating my own online courses, I've done it as pre recorded because I find that and people then say and I, and I wanted to talk about this. I, I People say to me all the time, oh, well, then I won't get corrections, yeah. like instant corrections. When I teach, I don't know about you, I was going to ask you, 
I have found over the years, especially with adults, and I really do this with actually the kids now as well, because there's so much anxiety over being called out in class, um, being really careful with corrections. And so I actually find when I teach, whether it's kids or adults, I very rarely correct like one person. I will give a general correction for the whole class because, you know, when your children... Uh, when you're a child and your teacher said, I don't know whether your teacher said this, but I remember mine always used to say to me, if I give someone a correction, you need to listen to the correction and just apply it to yourself or see if that applies to you as well. Instead of singling out someone, I actually just, if I see someone and I want them to have a particular correction, I will actually just say it to the whole class. So if you're doing on-demand online content and I'm giving like general you know, comments and critiques, like it's, it's essentially the next best thing, but yeah, no, I, I feel you. I'm not into zoom, zoom long classes, <laughs> not into that. <laughs> I hate, like, so I teach some private lesson students on zoom, which is okay. But like, like the worst thing about teaching on zoom was like, you just in silence, everyone's like on mute and then you're there <laughs> talking to yourself. And sometimes you just feel like really depressed. Cause you just be like, Oh, it's just like me in this room and like even though they're all there you're not getting any interaction at all and it was just like I don't know it's not like nice but I understand it's so for some people it's the only avenue so I'm still I'll do it if people need private lessons on zoom but um yeah but yeah corrections I think I teach my kids and adults differently but interestingly the adults who come to me they actually want like so even though the vibe of my classes are like super casual but the actual like technical side I actually go pretty hard like because they the students who come to me I think there's all different types of adult ballet dancers but the ones who come to me they actually want that real ballet school experience but we're super casual but so they actually want me to correct and like I actually like push them pretty hard on the corrections. But I think I, with my kids, I think I actually do what you're saying. Like I'll get everyone to, um, well, I only teach quite young ones as well. But so in general, they all need to practice the correction anyway. So yeah, with the kids, it probably is more, everybody try this, everybody show me this position. But yeah, with my adults, I like go to town on corrections and they they want that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, my, mine definitely want it and they definitely take their ballet classes very seriously. They want the ballet yeah. experience and I truly believe that's probably why Balanced Ballerinas has been so successful because they all know that I take my students yeah. adults as seriously as each other. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I don't know. I've found with a decade now of teaching adults, yeah. even if sometimes they say they want, and this is the same with kids, they say yeah. they want the corrections. I feel like... Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's nice to just give it to the whole class. I don't know. I found yeah. that lately and I've been thinking a lot about it um, and how instead of singling people out, sort of just providing that information to the whole class. I don't know. Seems yeah. to be- yeah. If it applies to everyone. Um, yeah. yeah. I think also as um, I think our job as well as teachers and also it's like a skill that we have to develop is to be able to um, work out certain people like I've got specific students where I can be harsher on them because I know they can take it and they want to take it and their personalities are like that and then there's other people who I'll let them be a bit more so I think that's actually our job to be able to ascertain um, different personalities and how to handle different people with my adults anyway 100% isn't yeah. it interesting that we found it so hard to uh, learn to 
deal with interpersonal skills. Yeah, and that's like really important now. That's super important to master that with what we do today. That's super important. Yeah, I think for adults, like, like I would, I think it's different. Like, so I just started teaching kids in March this year, and that's a whole different skill set I had to learn because it's not, um, like, I can, I know my ballet technique, but teaching kids, there's like a psychological aspect and behavioral aspect to it. So I'm still learning that, but I get like guidance. Um, yeah, it's not something I can learn. Like, I've had to seek out guidance on that. It's not something I can just intuitively, especially I don't have kids myself. So maybe if you have kids yourself, maybe you'd be more intuitive at it but um yeah what do you find challenging about teaching children um more just different personality types if there's kids who maybe aren't responding because ballet you got to be quite disciplined um and it's quite it's quite and especially the way we teach kids um it depends where you teach but like the two schools i teach at are more serious so um it's like proper ballet like behave listen learn everything um so yeah so some kids are probably more like want to just run around but they're like their parents are making them do ballet um so it's man like how to manage that like to keep the class exciting for them but also pull them into line when they are like holding up other kids or but also understanding why they're behaving like that like is it for attention or is it because um you're not giving them enough or they don't want to be there like there's there's not just one reason why a kid might behave how they do mm-hmm. um, and learning how to manage that to get the best results from them, which I, yeah, I noticed like I had one child who was sort of like messing around a bit and when I actually stopped giving the attention, then I noticed that they actually started behaving better. Yeah. So it's stuff like that I wouldn't really, well, I, I'm still learning how to navigate it. Yeah, welcome to teaching children. <laughs> I was like, oh, help, because <laughs> like, yeah, and then because I in ballet for kids, I don't do this for my adults, but f- before they start the exercise, I want everybody ready, everybody in your first position, proper turned out, pull your, pull your legs up, um, proper posture, everyone ready before we start. Um, but then if one's like off doing silly things, I used to like wait for everyone. I would wait for her, but now I just like don't bother waiting, and then she'll come. So yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest thing with teaching children is that sometimes, and I have to remind myself this, that sometimes your dance studio, like even though you don't have a studio, but your your studio space that you hold for those children during that 45 minutes or an hour, hour and a half, however long it is, can sometimes be the only consistent or the only comfort in their life. There are so many students that have like such a busy or the opposite of that, like lacking anything uh, day. So that you've got either extreme and that their ballet class is like the one consistent in their life. And so it's like, when you're getting frustrated with them, you have to remind yourself that like, you are someone that they're looking up to and someone that um, really just is coming to you for a release. (laughs) And even though they may not realize what, you know the mood mm. meditation does for them yeah I, my biggest goal when I have a class is that at the end they're all walking out smiling and happy because I remember so many times as a kid walking out of a ballet class feeling really down on myself oh really yeah so I just I, I mean I was incredibly I still am really hard on myself yeah 
So when, we, when you were a little kid or when you were older training? Oh, both. Both. Uh, I feel like when I was little, I never really, well, I guess I can't remember. I think like I never really got all like negative and down on myself or perfectionistic until I started training seriously. Yeah. But oh, I think uh, like, I, I, was like, like that since, I was like that since really? I was a three-year-old. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I just do, I find that I like to lighten the mood, even though we have a very serious ballet school where the students take it really seriously. They have beautiful hair, they take care of their uniform and all of that, you know, all the ballet school traits. It's important to maybe turn around and high five or tell a joke or hold hands at the end and say good work or I like, yeah. Teaching you know what I love? They they all love doing, which I love that they love it because I feel like when I was little, I might have been too shy, but they love improvisation. Yeah. And like doing yeah. a little team, like every class, every ballet class I do improvisation and I get like proper ballet music sometimes. Like we did Swan Lake last week and I love that they love it. Most people love it. There's sometimes one shy one who won't do it. But it's, yeah, I reckon when I was little, I would have been too shy to do it. So it's just so good that they're not shy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually remember. I don't know about you. I don't remember really doing much improvisation. Like, no, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think I did either, but I think I would have been too shy if I had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, yeah, I'm like you, I really encourage it. And I think it's nice. It gives them a bit of a creative outlet. And then they sort of, it's so funny when you watch little ones do improv and uh, they pull out these moves that you're like, well, where did you get that from? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them pull out like really good moves, like really good ballet moves. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> well, no, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So tell me about your adults. So basically when COVID finished and you were allowed to be out on the town, how did you go about, because you're a bit different to me, you teach in various different locations. Um, how did you sort of navigate that? Because people ask me all the time, you know, oh, how do you start adult ballet classes? <laughs> how do you get the numbers? Tell us about that. So, well, how do you get the numbers is one thing. That's like, I do that all from Instagram. So I do like, like I post a lot on Instagram. I go crazy. I like, but the people who follow me love it. Like I post so many videos but um, of my classes but I mainly just do Instagram ads. So for me, I, that's all I know because I've only ever done Instagram businesses. So for me, that's fine on how to get the numbers. It's just Instagram. But that's one thing. It's another thing to like work out. Um, so I don't have my own studio. I hired two different studios, one in Richmond, one in the city. But then because I hire, you got to work out class times. And like what I do is like I like change my timetable. I've sort of – it's probably taken me – so I started – properly in November last year I probably only just finalized my team timetable now like about seven months later and like sometimes people would pay me out some of my friends would pay me out being like you literally change your timetable every week and I would but in fairness to myself when you're starting something I just had to keep changing it because I didn't want to I'm not going to because I need to cover everything I need to get paid I need to cover the studio higher I'm not going to keep a class if no one's coming to it if it doesn't suit people and you sometimes you can't know what's going to suit people's timetables until you run it and then working out all the different levels like um i struggle with my absolute beginners because they don't this is not a criticism of anyone it's just sort of how it is absolute beginners don't tend to stick on so it was really difficult because i'd get some absolute beginners complain when i took their class away but then i'd be like but i like as a business i actually can't run a class where there's not regular students and so then they have to go up 
with more advanced people not like really advanced but just more than absolute beginner so stuff like that's difficult to navigate and then um with adults because it's not with kids they pay for the term they come every week with adults the way i run it it's just casual drop in so that can be difficult too because the numbers there's no pattern like one week there'll be heaps of people then the next week there's not so that's like quite difficult to um even like so obviously as a business I need to um, make enough money to live and stuff but putting that aside it's actually just like I have this conversation with friends sometimes putting like money and anything aside it's actually just like disappointing if only so even if I was like a millionaire and I didn't need to worry about money I would still be disappointed if only a few people turned up to my class why is that because I I don't know because you want to have like lots of people come to your class and want to come to your class like aside from being a business that needs to make money to live like I just want people to come and if there's only a few people I get disappointed because I'm like oh no one wants to come I don't know oh see it's so funny like I like I was telling you my smallest classes because everyone's at my classes and go oh my god I should post actually a video that I recently took and I think there was only five in the class um, small class for me and so um for about like I was telling you two to three years my advanced evening class had like two three people max and I just kept at it and you know what I did though I sort of of course it was for the students but I kind of flipped my mindset and was like when I take this class, it's also about me being able to create and build and strengthen that muscle of taking open class. And especially because it was the advanced class, I needed to sort of really be on my A game. And so I kind of went in with, instead of like, and maybe like this might help you, but instead of going in with like, oh, no one's, you know, there's only three people that have, people that have shown up, fabulous this is training for me and if I make a mistake there's only three people that are going to see it so I get a little bit more daring with maybe the choreography of the exercise or I then also sometimes which would strengthen the class make it more exciting like be like instead of oh there's only three of you I'd go fabulous there's only three of you which means that we can do x (laughs) it's definitely a perspective change and like I'm actually like big into mindset and like bang on about it a lot but sometimes it's hard to apply it in like you know everything you know how you should have your mindset be positive but yeah sometimes it's hard to we're all human so but yeah definitely a perspective change no you're doing amazing you're doing amazing and most importantly your students look so happy yeah they do it's like yeah I actually like love it like to be honest every time I come back from the class even if so I'll be sooky if there's only like a few people booked in but when I come home I'm like so happy every time like I enjoy that's how I know that I'm in the right career for me now like I literally come home from every class I teach and I'm like really happy and I'm like oh that was so much fun and I like literally every single class so yeah and everyone it's a really good crew so they all have um and I guess they start to make friends with each other as they know each other but yeah it's like everyone's really bubbly and it's really like relaxed even though we're taking our ballet seriously it's like everyone laughs and has a has a ball so yeah and yeah it's different because I go and take class myself during the day and it's a different vibe like it's more I guess because the classes that I take it's like advanced professional level so a lot of the dancers are like um, ex-professionals or in-between jobs or whatever so it's a different vibe it's more like serious vibe which I like to do for myself but for my students I like to provide a like super casual vibe so 
there's something for everyone in in Melbourne anyway there's like so many different adult ballet classes each with their own kind of vibe so there's something for everyone no it's awesome I'm so glad that you're like you've made it back into like ballet world and like you're just thriving and like just obviously you get so much joy out of it which like I saw love. something on your sorry on your Instagram you posted like last week and you were like ballet what was it you said ballet chooses you or something um actually or I've, podcast got, or something. I've got my phone here I, was like, I think I know what you're talking about so I said that I'll always be tethered to ballet and only a person who loves ballet will truly understand this, but somehow it just never leaves your soul. And whether you find it early or later in life, once you've placed your hand on the bar and feel a connection, there's just no going back. That one? I think it, like, it might be that one, but I feel like it was just one sentence, but it was something to do with your soul or or yeah. something like that. It, ballet never leaves you or something like that. And I think, yeah, like that, like, spoke to me 100% because I'm like, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing now and like I don't know life's a life's a um like I couldn't ever have predicted this that I would come back to Bali but now that I am I'm like this is like a hundred percent where I'm meant to be and who I'm who I'm meant to be I think um I think you and I are both a really beautiful example to be honest of definitely doing it differently but but we were sort of crushed a little bit a bit heartbroken by ballet like for yeah. want of a better word well, no, heartbroken is good. Crushed. Yeah, crushed, heartbroken, <laughs> smashed in um, by ballet. But then we've somehow managed to come full circle and really bring it back into our lives in a really positive and yeah. way because, like, whether we like it or not, and ballet does get a bad rap, and I think my whole mission is really teaching people because I've got so many students that have similar stories to ours, but, you know, they're like, but I love ballet, but they simultaneously hated it <laughs> for what it did to them. And so it's lovely to reintroduce it in the way that's a little bit more he healthy or dare I say balanced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of my friends, I guess, who, who won't step foot back in a ballet studio type thing. Um, and I'm like, it's actually like, if you can come back how we have in a, like a really having a really healthy relationship with it, it's actually the most incredible thing in the world. Um, but yeah, a lot of people can't. Benefits. It has so many benefits. Like your students would be the same as mine. They're taking ballet to have a, some me time, a break from their day to, I like to call it moving meditation to just sort of, you know, what else is there where you can sort of heal at the bar and focus on nothing else but just be really present because you've got time to think about nothing else. <laughs> yeah, literally my student Zoe said to me last week after the class, she was like, oh, I was having like a really bad day and now I feel like so much better after doing ballet class. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Well, I love that. And I think maybe that's why we're enjoying it so much too is because by teaching like we get so much joy out of seeing others either find ballet for the first time or experience the, the positives and benefits of ballet like that makes yeah. it really joyous and really rewarding yeah and I think also even though I said absolute beginners don't stick on like for the ones who do stick on they tend to be the ones who are like I always wanted to learn ballet as a child and I didn't get to and they're like so grateful that they can now so I think that's really special for those people because you're like because I guess we don't we don't know what that's like to really want to have done something that we because we like 
got it all handed. Well, it wasn't handed to us, but like we got the whole shebang. So yeah, so that's special. Yeah, like fulfilling their dreams. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, helping them fulfill their dreams. It's so true though. And it's like incredibly rewarding. No, I love it. So I need to ask you, because it's the Balanced Ballerinas podcast, I always finish off with what keeps you balanced, Zara? What keeps me balanced? Um, I have to say, I don't know if this is the correct answer, but I don't know what. Anyway, well, my the answer that comes to my head is like only doing things in life that I want to. <laughs> that sounds like, um, no, like where I feel like 100% for it, where it just like is 100% yes. And yeah, I think that's, I don't know if that's the right answer. <laughs> No, like the right answer. It came to my mind, so I think yeah, that's what keeps me balanced. Because then there's no wrong answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> As I always explain, balance is completely different to everybody, and my balance is certainly not the same for someone else. Yeah. Um, well, I guess yeah, that would be my balance because I guess if if I was forcing myself to do something that I'm not a hundred percent on board with, then I guess I'd be out of balance because I'd be making myself do something that's not quite me so I think yeah I think I guess it comes back to what feels right in my heart and that tends to be my balance <laughs> I know what I'm talking about you're like I feel like I need to um uh title this podcast episode something about following your gut <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe following your heart because I reckon gut can sometimes be thrown off by like fear or like anxiety True. and stuff True. okay so it'll be like <laughs> Follow your heart with dancer turned lawyer turned ballet teacher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah follow your heart, I think. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been so lovely to actually just catch up. And, yeah, no, it was so nice. And yeah. I haven't seen you. Like we've sent voice messages and stuff, but we haven't seen each other in, well, it's not real life, but maybe soon we'll see each other in real life. Yeah, it's the next best thing. Like I said, you're gonna to have to come up to the Gold Coast and visit the new studio and maybe yeah. take a class or two. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. No, it'll be fun. Well, thank you, my darling. Mm-hmm.